The following podcast discusses alternative sexual practices in loving and detailed terms, and as such may not be appropriate for young children, members of the House Freedom Caucus, or my mother. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a Harry Prone Companion, a podcast of wholesome kink and perverted knitting. I'm Sherar King. I'm Lansing Mike. And no blow by blow this week. Oddly enough, I did not attend any dungeon parties or any bar nights. I went out to the bar last night. You went up on me. I, I went to a home dinner party, but there's nothing terribly kinky about it. Nothing kinky or crafty about that one, so... Yeah, went out, had a drink, and watched people cheat at karaoke. I consider it cheating when there are five of you up there and you're harmonizing. Oh. (laughs) That's like, that's choral. Yeah, that's not karaoke. The point of karaoke is to do... Abject humiliation. Yes. Were they actually doing competition? Because I do know... Yeah, they... they, they were doing kamikaze karaoke. Okay. Where... I like the idea of that. Yeah. You sign up in the first half to do a song you like, Mm -hmm. and then second half of the show, the DJ or the crowd picks, and there are judges, but there's also a gong that if you do really, really badly, they will gong you off stage. And I've I've seen some really good singers get gonged off because it was just, it was like politics. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, we want our friend to win, and this is person's up against them. That yeah, it, it's it's complicated when there's prizes involved, like real prizes, like, like you know. a four pack to Star Wars in IMAX. Oh yeah, that's a good. Uh, I think about sixty dollar, seventy dollar value. So yeah, yeah. And so when that's the tr- when that's at the odds, yeah, you can get some pretty fierce. And I know some people who walked away with bad feelings because it was like I was actually belting it well, and then someone from the other you know group of followers just came in gong me off it's like ouch it's the rules for that are just kind of in process i think every yeah time they do it they realize oh this isn't working let's do it that way yeah i didn't stay for the competition part i can't close bars anymore <laughs> i'm not in my teens i've been going to the gay bars since i was 16 and i got my driver's license because mm-hmm. i've had this voice since i was 13 and I've had a beard since I was 12. Mm-hmm. So you said you were a 50-year-old man when you were 12. Mm-hmm. Well, I looked 25 when I was 12. The other thing I liked about the idea of karaoke, uh, the kamikaze karaoke, is you don't have a say in what you're singing. So right. that levels the playing field pretty well. There's some people who I've seen sing who just have their repertoire and sing them very, very well. And you're like, why am I, you know, not competition-wise, but you just don't want to go on after them because they were really good. Doing kamikaze, and I realized, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> because, <laughs> yes, yay, they, they're doing a song they haven't practiced over and over. Kind of like going to a, you know, a nude beach. It's like when you see all of humanity naked, you feel better about yourself. When, when, yeah, when you're, what you're seeing naked is not just models and porn stars. It's like, oh, okay, I don't stack up so badly. <laughs> I'm amazingly average. Once, once I get a nice large sample set, I'm like, wow, okay, I ain't bad. But the one big thing that happened this week was I went and I got my nipples pierced. And I got them pierced at Splash of Color Tattoo in East Lansing. That's at Grand River and Division. Now they're the ones that are upstairs? Yes. Yep. They're the ones that are upstairs. Very clean, very friendly staff. Very thorough. They showed me their autoclave. They talked me through the entire process. How to care for them, what to do with them. I mean, they gave me some sea salt. I picked up some more of my own. And right now I've got, sitting in my fridge, a half gallon now of normal saline. So I boiled a pan of water. Mm -hmm. 
for 15 minutes to get anything that didn't get killed by the chlorine put in by the Board of Water and Light. Added, it's half a teaspoon per cup to get close enough to normal sailing. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, put that in a jug in the fridge. And when I need to soak, I pour off a shot glass of it, nuke that for about 20 seconds, and then... Now, why is that just to... What is the purpose of that? Saline soaks on piercings aid in healing. Okay. And they help to dissolve any crusties that you may get. Yeah, it helps to clean. It says it promotes healing. I just know that it's a thing you do with piercings and that all of my piercings I've been told to do that. And so I do that five five minutes on a side because otherwise I've got both of my hands tied up on my nipples and I can't really do anything else. Yeah, so I just do one at a time. Okay. And yeah, it takes about 10 minutes and, you know, shower every day and yeah, it's always nice when you walk into a place. I mean, it sounds like you had a good experience I, there. I had a very good experience. And I don't think I've ever heard anything bad about... Actually, I don't think I've heard anything bad about any places, but I do know that there's some places that look like complete shitholes yes. from the outside. Yes. But I've known regulars who go there. In fact, that was a topic at the dinner party last night where someone who had extensive work done mm-hmm. was in the car with someone else and they went by this place and someone said, oh God, that place looks so... Sketchy, and yeah, it's like, and I think made some joke about it, and the other person was like, "Actually, that's where I just had all my work done, and they're pretty good." And it's like, "Oh, you wouldn't know it from the outside." Yeah, I Um, think a lot of it's word of mouth. It it is, and that's actually how I found Splash of Color because I asked the Lansing Paw Group, "Where have you gotten your piercings done?" Mm -hmm. And they recommended Splash of Color, and then they also recommended Liquid Color which is on Old 127 north of Lake Lansing Road. I stopped in there. I wasn't as impressed with the portfolios. I wasn't as impressed with the selection of rings that they had in stock. Mm -hmm. So I I decided to go with Splash of Color. So what did you you go with for the actual pieces of jewelry itself? For the actual pieces of jewelry, I went with, 12-gauge straight barbells. I had no desire to get rings. I felt like those are more likely to get caught in something. Mm -hmm. So I went with the barbell. I also think um, rings are... Well, I think rings are more of an invitation to be played with. I think someone sees a ring and they're more likely to grab and, you know, play with it than just the barbell. Because there is, like, actually something to grab onto. Which I... Sometimes can be the purpose. I I know that um, some people have talked about their varying degrees of like a piercing will add sensitivity, but I heard someone else say it decreased their sensitivity. And I think someone pointed out, well, it's kind of a crapshoot which way it goes, but the one thing that's guaranteed is they will get more attention. Yes. I know that since I've gotten them pierced, it feels like to varying degrees, and depending on how excited I am. Mm-hmm. It feels a lot like I'm wearing a pair of tit clamps all the time with varying degrees of tightness going on, depending on how erect my nipples happen to be at the moment. I am fully aware of them. (laughs) And it was not that painful. The, The actual process was not that painful. I have had scenes that were more painful than getting my nipples pierced and getting... My Prince Albert, which is my other piercing, that was intense pain for just a fraction of a second. Mm-hmm. This was slightly longer, but nowhere near as intense. And they were both the same size. I, I got pierced with a 12 in both locations. So I'm happy with what I have right now. I'm going to be going back there on Thursday which is when I get paid, and I'm going to pick up a six-gauge ring for my PA. Right mm-hmm. now, I'm rocking an eight, and I want to move up on that. Yeah, I, that's one thing I learned. You know, I didn't realize the, the lower the number, the larger the diameter. Yeah, it's, it's not one over because you know there are zeros, and one over zero would be infinitely large. That's mm-hmm. not exactly right. But yeah, it's like the F-stops on your camera, that the 
smaller number denotes a bigger size. I don't know what the formula is. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Well, and, uh, you know, for myself, I think the only thing I've ever had pierced was in a year. And that was so long ago that I've had anything in there that I think it's healed up or that. Yeah, the only piercing I'd be tempted, I think um, nipple piercings would be something I could see. I wouldn't mind, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's also, um, well, no, but the, as far as, you know, modifications go, tattoos. I definitely want tattoos. And just have yep. been lazy about it and also indecisive. And that's the why I don't have any at the moment. But, you know, I've got plans and it's just, I have a friend, she's now on her fourth and planning out the fifth and sixth. So she's going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yay. I have a tattoo. I've shown it to you, haven't I? The Leather Bear Yin Yang? I think so. I think I've seen it. Okay, yes. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to show it off. Mm -hmm. And I got that done back in Flint, and I actually designed that tattoo myself. Um, so that would be my thing is, like, I want to, you know, I'm enough of an artist that I would like to, you know, design it myself. But then, you know, of course, the, uh, yeah, that, as I say, you, as you're putting back on your shirt is one of the, the difficulties of fresh piercings is you have to be very careful about yeah. Yeah. Well, putting clothes on. I, I don't. I don't know if nipple piercings make your nipples more sensitive in the long term, but in the short term, yes, they do. <laughs> oh boy. Oh my goodness. And I intentionally got them done this week mm -hmm. because I knew I didn't have anything for this weekend planned. Oh, for, the good dungeon wise, right? Okay. They, you you have a, a period where they're going to not be used excessively. Right. And, you know, I I want to play with them when I'm watching porn, but as soon as I give them that first touch, I'm like, not yet. <laughs> yeah, it, it was at a, a, a party. It was a house party that kind of turned into a play party. And, yeah, there was someone who um, I was, you know, he was like, someone wanted to blow him and he's like nope nope i'm not into that right now and i'm like oh is he seeing someone is he off the market and no it's just because he'd had a piece of metal put through his penis earlier that week and it, it was not to be given any attention right then yes the uh the piercer said that my nipples should not have any oral attention for three months, which is okay. going to be difficult oh. unless basically mouths are sewers yes mouths are filthy but that if I was going to do it, that I should pick up some liquid bandage. Okay. And that if I paint some of that on first, then I can have guys lick and suck gently, gently. Yeah. Next. Or the next time you're in a yeah. scene, just take a sharpie and write around your nipples, it's like you know, no mouths, please, or no mouth zone, or something, and put you know. put a bandage over it lightly. Cross bandages. Or electrical tape. That, that'll be a statement. Uh, electrical? I'm afraid with electrical tape that it would hurt like a son of a bitch when I took it off. I'll put bandages on first and then the electrical tape. Have you seen how hairy my chest is? <laughs> It'd be a little bit less after that experience. It'll grow back. Yeah, but it's still... You know, again, we, we do these wonderful things to ourselves that, that are painful in the moment, but it's the right kind of pain. Mm -hmm. Having my chest hair ripped out with gaffer tape is not the right kind of pain. Maybe I'm just picky. Speaking of piercings and all that, I, you know, like I said, for myself, the nipple piercing is about the only thing I'd be interested in. But I'm fascinated to see them in other people. Um, and same with tattoos. I know many people are like, ooh, tattoos. And I'm like, and they're just like, nope. They're off the list now. I'm like, oh, more for me. Because I find tattoos to be very interesting. Especially when they're well done. And, like, especially if, you know, they have meaning to them. Yes. The gentleman who introduced me to the guy who pierced my dick had several piercings. Uh, let's see here. Both nipples were pierced twice. Mm -hmm. 90 degrees. So one vertical, one horizontal. He had a quad zero PA. And he had a a Jacob's ladder going all the way down, all the way down between the legs. I forget the name of that particular piece. The Jacob's ladder is though just kind of little bars going. Yeah, j yeah, little bars just going through the skin uh, across the the urethra. Okay. So yeah, so and 
feels interesting when it's sliding in and out of you. And those were, yeah, studs about, I want to say about a half inch apart. Mm-hmm. So you got a, a lovely ribbed for your pleasure effect. And so, and that continued down, that ladder continued down along the scrotum mm-hmm. uh, and then along to the uh, peritoneum. Which I've heard, I've heard someone um, like who is involved uh, that that is the one of the, uh, the perineum is the most difficult piercing to take care of and deal with um, just because of the location and just, yeah, just the general area for cleanliness and care. Yeah, I, I've spoken to guys who have it, who really enjoy having it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they've all said the same thing, that it takes a long time to heal and that it's really easy to get infected mm-hmm. and you got to be really careful about it. And it's hard to do a saline soak for what's basically a concave area. My nipples stick out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. The head of my dick, you know, is hanging out there. I can dip that in a cup of warm water. Between your legs? I don't know. I still think it would be more difficult. Size, but yeah, a shot glass, I think, would probably work. Yeah. It, I mean, you'd have to be in an odd position while you're like letting it soak, but oh well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You'd, you'd have to, to pop a squat and you'd need to have good knees and good hips. I'm picturing actually someone just being on their back with their legs up in the air and spread. Oh, uh, well, yeah, of course you might need another pair of hands, but, you know, that's part of the fun, isn't it? And one of the things I wanted to, to get your opinion on is, do you think that Prince Alberts are more popular among gay men than straight men? Or is it just sampling bias on my part due to the fact that I've seen a lot more gay guy sticks than straight guy sticks, especially since I let my gym membership last? I would say, yeah, I, I don't think I'm aware enough of... Well, it might be another thing, too, is like gay guys are more likely to discuss their penises with me than a straight guy. Right. So I think that's it. Um, we, we, so it might be biased, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, because so, I'm trying to think of any straight guys I know who have it. And it's never, you know, been mentioned in conversation. But right. it probably wouldn't be. So, yeah, I couldn't speak on that. I It seems, you know, for me, I I don't know why straight guys wouldn't. Except for the just, I just have that perception that you know straight guys maybe are more vanilla, which I'm pretty sure is wrong. You know, I, 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 I there think, are I'm I sure there are more yeah. kinky straight guys than there are kinky gay guys, just because there are more straight guys out there than there are gay guys. But you know, I just, I just, yeah, I, I guess I do have that preconception that straight sex is just pretty much formulaic and okay to you know bang until you're you're finished and then you know roll over and go to sleep and that's not right. the case probably in the majority of situations yeah henry rollins said straight sex doesn't sound like anything i'd want to do despite the fact that i try and do it as often as i <laughs> yeah. can but uh, like in speaking of that yeah i just i picture the straight world as being more vanilla you know which i'm sure it's not uh because you know like i said of the kinksters i know in the lansing area it's predominantly straight crowd but, yes. then I was, I, but then I picture all gays being a bit into kink, you know, to a certain extent. I know there's very vanilla gay men, but I think we're, again, because we've already passed that whole same gendered boundary, I think we're much more open to trying other things. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and what gay guys consider vanilla can be considered kinky to some more straight-laced. Well, anal straight sex from, itself. Yeah, yeah mean, anal sex, oral sex, like yeah. Holy Grail, like, she let me do it in the pooper. And it's like, okay, that was something super special. It's like, but yeah, I mean, for us, I think we're much more out of the, you know, the kind of the standard boundaries. I do know, thinking back, when I was going for my degree, part of the benefits of paying tuition was that I got to go to the rec center and mm-hmm. work out at no charge. And I only remember one other person who I saw in the locker room in the sauna with a Prince Albert. Mm-hmm. And he may have started casually groping my knee and mm-hmm. I smiled. And so, yeah, from that sample size, <laughs> it, it seems that Prince Alberts indicate more likely to be queer or at least 
open to an experience with another man. I also think that, you know, like uh, extensive manscaping. I, you know, I remember, you know, working out the Y and if I'd see someone who had like, you know, his pubes trimmed and especially if the balls and around the cock was shaved, I'd be like, hmm. But again, I think that's just, well, I think that's just simply being polite to your partner. Because honestly, you shave that area for whoever's going to be down there. Right. Like, yeah, a hair at the back of the throat just will interrupt the mood. Nature's dental floss. More like hairball. It's just like... (coughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that tickle in the back of your throat. We hope it's a hair, not chlamydia, but yeah. Tasteless joke. But yeah, just yeah, just body modifications in general. It's like I'm I'm always fascinated by it. It's I think it can be art, uh, especially when it's thought out. I've known of many regrettable tattoos that people I know have gotten, and mostly got them when they're younger and not thinking it through. Right. One other thing in Splash of Colors favor is they have several signs up saying, effectively, you have to be stone cold sober before we'll touch you. Well, a lot of that's also bleeding, and, you know, when you're under, you know, the influence of alcohol, the capillaries are dilated, and there's more issue with bleeding and blood flow, and you basically tattoo as you're getting stabbed repeatedly by needles. Yes. So, there's a physiological reason for that, and also just the consensual reason of, okay, you're going for something. Right. They are just across Grand River from the MSU campus, and I'm sure that MSU students comprise a large chunk of their clientele and they don't want to get a reputation that splash of color is where this drunken frat boy got kappa gamma delta tattooed on his forehead because woohoo greek for life backing up a bit the gentleman who introduced me to my pa piercer Mm. in addition to all the piercings that i talked about he also had one tattoo that went from his collarbone to his wrists to his ankles. Full body suit. Gorgeous. Hmm. Wonderful. Really good work. And yes, the cock and balls were tattooed too. And he said, you know, it didn't really hurt any more than getting other sensitive parts hmm. you know, done. It looked really, really good. And he had a few surface piercings hmm. to set off parts of the tattoo. To accent things like a pair of eyes. Looked really good on him. I mean, yeah, they can be, you know, works of art. And, you know, I I know the people who I know who are getting repeated pieces of work done. They tend to have certain artists they prefer. And, you know, they're very proud of their work. And, in fact, I had a friend and she went to a... um, a tattoo parlor that's famous in New York City. Um, It's like a high-recognized name. But they accept walk-ins. Mm-hmm. And so she actually said, I want a piece done there next time I'm in New York. And she went. And by happy circumstance, the artist working on her to have this piece done was also the preferred artist for one of her favorite rock stars. And who's slowly beginning a sleeve done. And so basically, yeah, they got to gossip about <laughs> this. And it's like, oh. And so, that, and so now that piece actually has more meaning for her, too, because it's a beautiful piece. But it was done by an artist who's also worked on this guy that she has an unnatural obsession for. In fact, there was a joke. He's like, I know where he lives. You want his address so you can stalk him? And she's like, no, that would be a dangerous thing. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he was... Do I want it? Yeah. Should I get it? No. No. Because no. she also knows that meeting this person in reality is going to not be anywhere near what... Oh, her. of course not. Yeah. He's kind of a jerk in real life. And she knows that. But she's like, ah, he's a good artist. <laughs> Let me enjoy this story. Let me keep him perfect in my yes. mind and never actually meet him and yeah. all that great <laughs> stuff. Don't yeah. want to meet your heroes, ever. And of course, piercings and tattoos aren't the only modifications out there. Guys do a lot of interesting stuff with their cock and balls and post it on the internet mm-hmm. for other people to enjoy. Of course, there was the castration that we mm-hmm. talked about. Uh, Several weeks ago, several, this is only episode six, a few weeks ago, let's put it that way. Then, of course, there's the mediotomy, which is basically cutting from the urethra to where a Prince Albert piercing would be. Okay. Maybe a little bit farther. That opens up the head and gives 
more access to sensitive urethra. You continue that on down, it becomes a subincision. And I've seen short ones and long ones and mm-hmm. ones that connect to a scrotal split and go, yeah, almost all the way to the anus. And yes, yeah, spatchcocked junk. <laughs> the guy seemed to really like it. He was into it. Had and something pretty, I would say unique, but it's rare enough that, yeah, you can feel probably your stuff stands out. <laughs> it makes a statement. Yeah, it is relatively unique on the internets. And, and I think you know, that's niche. a purpose of modification is to have some, to kind of identify yourself in some way, having something about you that is not the norm. You know, it'd be the same thing if, you know, suddenly tattoos become so popular that everyone's tattooed. It's going to be the person who has no ink on them that's going to be feeling like, oh, I'm special because I haven't had any. So, yeah, I've seen seen those also with split head, mm-hmm. dicks split into completely, and then the take everything off, nello. That's a little intense. Not for me. Well, and also, I mean... I, I like being able to beat off with my cock. I enjoy that. Because I'm also thinking it's not just, you know, it's a way of kind of modifying your body and make it more unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also... When you were talking about that, I was thinking in terms of people who are, um, oh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Transgender, Transgender uh, transitioning. Um, yes. Because it's, it's maybe you have an idea of your own body, what you want to be, and this is a way of progressing that and yeah. becoming more of that. There's decoration versus, I think, because, you know, these are decorations, but, well, in the way of many piercings, they can be removed and they'll, you know... That he has visible right. um, tattoos. Yeah, there are ways of removing or that, but or covering them up and yeah. changing your mind. But it's still something that's a much more lasting than a t-shirt or makeup. And so, you know, it's I think a step beyond just plain decoration. Right, it is altering your body to for some ideal. Yes, it's some psychologists would refer to it as body integrity disorder. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you're not truly transgender. Mm -hmm. Some of the ones that I've seen have said, you know, I'm doing this as part of my transition. You know, Mm -hmm. take the balls off, get rid of the hormones. Others, they want to be just eunuch or just nullo with no further feminization. Mm -hmm. They want to occupy a space outside of the predominant gender binary. Mm -hmm. And they said that I see myself as somebody... With no genitals. And I'm like, and my only question for them is, are you happy? If so, great. <laughs> if not, well. Nah, happiness, it's overrated. Oh, yeah. Who wants to be happy when you can be productively miserable all the time? At least you're being productive. <laughs> At least you're being productive. I am thinking of getting another piercing mm-hmm. eventually. I would like to get my septum pierced. One of my friends online, I seem to have a lot of online friends and never end up using any of their names. Gee, I wonder why. Well, because they haven't given me permission. He likes to rock the porcupine quill in his septum. A long one that basically goes out just slightly beyond his cheekbones. Mm -hmm. And it looks really, really good. It works well with the shape of his nose and his personal style. And, you know, one of the nice things about a septum is that you can flip it up, uh, depending on what, what sort of ring you get, you oh. can flip, you can flip the ring up into your nasal passages and make it invisible. When I need to be in my professional government contractor life, mm-hmm. I look acceptable to Western standards of male beauty. Or as I like to think it. You're attracted to guys in suits. You know, that's what corporate drag is about. It's like you look presentable because you want to impress men, older men in suits. <laughs> well, and for a while in the 80s, that was a form of drag. Everybody, learn your queer history. Find on the streaming services or somewhere a copy of Paris is Burning and watch <laughs> and learn. Because in those drag balls, they had executive realness as a category menswear 
in suits. So, you know, you have these 80s Harlem, lower class black men dressing up as Wall Street executives and being fierce and fabulous while doing it. When I say corporate drag, I simply, that's my euphemism for anyone who dresses up for work Um, because that's what it is. You're wearing a costume or a uniform and, you know, you think, you know, there's something natural about wearing a suit to work. It's like, no, it's as artificial as anything else. Yes. I mean, the only reason we wear a suit is because we've always worn a suit. Mm -hmm. I'm part of a vintage ads group online and it's Mm -hmm. interesting to see that, yes, the suit and tie has always been around, but things have changed. A 60s suit was very different from a 70s suit. It was very different from the 80s power suit. And it changes slower than women's fashion and more subtly, but those changes are there. One would not be seen rocking a powder blue three-piece suit these days. But in 1977, you would have been the height of fashion. Go home to your kitchen that's all in avocado. And harvest gold. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. My parents had harvest gold appliances when I was growing up. Oof. The comedy writers have taken an early and extended holiday break. So no fake commercials, but real commercial. As always, a Harry Prone Companion Supports and is supported by the Esquire Bar in Old Town Lansing on Turner Street, one block north of Grand River. They are having a New Year's Eve bash. $5 at the door includes food and cash bar, of course. And then on the 1st, from 8 till midnight, Lansing Pups and Handlers will be there for our monthly First Friday Bar Night. Come on out to the Esquire Bar. Next topic I want to talk about today is titles, but not in the sense of sashes. Mm-hmm. Leather contests and those titles is a subject for a future show. Um, I think what you're yeah. talking about is more like honorifics. And just, yeah, on, yeah, sir, boy, pup. And the reason why I bring this up is at the potluck, Punk was calling me sir. All night long. And it felt kind of weird. I know he was doing it to be respectful. Yes, there's, I, you know, that's, yes. it is a title to just, you know, yeah, it's like, sir. I mean, it's, yeah, informal settings, you know, sir, ma'am. Right. Just kind of things you'd give to someone else who's your superior in some way or maybe even equals i don't know even in the normal world it's like yeah we're but i imagine that with each situation it's a different thing right when i was working on the phones in a call center Mm -hmm. i used sir and ma'am out of politeness Mm -hmm. and especially if they had a non-anglo first or last name Mm -hmm. i did not want to butcher their name so i used sir or ma'am but he was i i kind of felt like a drill instructor <laughs> the, well, the way he was using sir. also it's kind of an age thing too because i can remember the first time i got sirred in public and i was like it was a bit of a blow because i was standing in line at a panera actually and there was a guy i think he was just behind me or something very attractive um i pictured him about my age mm-hmm. so um and I had to get around him or do something, and he's like, oh, you know, oh, you know, let me get out of the way, sir. And I'm like, wait, what? It's like, no, we are of an age, and I thought I, I equal social standing. My thought is that maybe he was in the military, and it was just drummed into him. Perhaps. Um, but then I also have a coworker who, you know, used to be a caddy, and so ingrained in him is to just say, sir, and he'll even say that to me. And as I point out to him... Now we've got to where he does it and he stops himself and then gets this odd look in his face. Because I say, whenever I have someone who serves me, I picture them on their knees with a collar on and I'm holding a leash. And he's like, <laughs> and I was like oh my God. So yeah, so yes. I, I was, I was because yeah, to me, you serve someone who is, yeah, your elder. Yeah, especially, yeah. I think not so much superior, but your elders. Right. And. Or yeah, ma'am them. Right. I, uh, And part of the weirdness is at that potluck, we were kind of in 
kink mode, mm-hmm. not full on more kink space. It was yeah, more, kink space. Yeah, you could be comfortable not worrying about you know. Yeah, munch level space may maybe one degree above yes. there, and to be called sir in that space and in that setting was weird for me. Part of it was ten years as a boy, mm-hmm. and when I was in that relationship and as a boy. I mean, I always addressed sir as sir, but I use that word much more often outside of there. Again, I think you had a real life uh, situation where, yeah, like like said that one guy in the military, you have it drummed into you. Yes. About and but then there's a very specific meaning of it too. Not just the use, not just the use of it, but it means a certain thing. And you know, another thing is that when I am in my top dom mode, more often I've found myself being called daddy rather than sir. But I didn't want to say that to punk because I realize that that word has so many massive connotations to it. I did not, I didn't want to drop that load on him in that setting. As a dominant, I see myself more in the daddy slash boy, mm-hmm. not not little boy, not diapered boy, not that whole can of worms idea for another show. But yeah, daddy boy in the leather sense. Mm-hmm. Now in the leather, what now what? I guess that's one thing for me. It's like yeah, ver- versus master slave because there's these there's these relationships and what for in the leather sense what is the difference between because master slave that i i can fill in the gaps for that one that right kind of it explains it on the tin what that relationship is um what's the difference between like a sir boy or a daddy son (sighs) or is there really it's more just whatever they feel more comfortable right i mean part part of it is the way they feel comfortable doing it to me, uh, a master-slave setup implies much less freedom on the part of the There's a lot more sub. control. Yes, a lot more control, and then a lot more responsibility than the slave has given up so much mm-hmm. to the master, and the master lovingly takes on that responsibility. Daddy boy, I see it not as intense, more guiding. With me, part of the the daddy boy factor when I was younger was age play. I have always been attracted to older men. Gray hair gets my dick hard, you know. And even if you can't get your dick hard, there's still lots of other things we can do. <laughs> so yeah, so I have seen myself as a boy. Not as a brat needing correction, but a boy needing to learn, needing guidance. Because I do yeah. kind of get that from the dad-son dynamic is kind of a mentoring. Yes. Because yes. you know, in a natural flow of things, the son eventually grows and becomes a father themselves down the line. It's just the cycle. Right. And so the I see the dad-son being more of a teaching thing. Mm-hmm. The dad is a mentor teaching the son the ways of being a dad. And Sir Boy... I don't know if that's, I think that's been a progression for some people. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, you do your time as the you know subservient to learn the ropes and then you graduate to becoming, you know, right the top. But I also, but for me, it's, it seems like the sir boy thing is more a matter of respect. It's, it's, uh, the dynamics there seem more respect and not necessarily humiliation, but calling someone boy does have certain implications. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. And you know, there, there's also the, the tone aspect to that. And I also, with daddy's son or or daddy and daddy's boy, mm. there is that progression. There is the expectation that the boy will grow up eventually. With master and slave, these days, there is not that expectation mm-hmm. anymore. Old guard, back in the day... Yes, you started out as slave and you earned your right to be a master. I'm not seeing that so much now. I'm seeing for those who call themselves slave and call themselves master, 
It is very intense. It is part of who they are. Mm-hmm. And I know slaves in their 70s who have a much younger master. And it works well for them. And the slave had been deeply subbed mm-hmm. his entire life. And he I found guess, someone who could be dominant and hurt him in all the right ways. I guess for me, I have issues with that terminology because it's more just a historical thing. The master-slave. Mm-hmm. Because I fundamentally see it as, in some respects, it's play-acting. Yes. And some it's it's lifestyle. Like, you know, they, there's people who are 24-7, this is it. But I know that the idea of slavery and of ownership goes back many, many... Uh, thousand yes. years. But the most recent iteration that we've really dealt with is pretty recent. And is just steeped in cultural and racial issues. And so for me, it's like, oh, I wish there were other terms. Just because yes. it's been too yeah. soon where we've actually really, truly had masters and slaves. And it's still something that's very... It still informed our present society in America. It was, you know, a while ago, but it's still within historic memory. I mean, that was just occurring to me. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I guess it's a matter of terminology. Because, yeah, you can go back even further and, you know, Romans and many cultures had slaves and different dynamics. But the most recent iteration of that was pretty much chattel and ownership of people as property and it's like and however many southern textbooks want to write it a different way and say how it was a beneficial for all parties involved i ain't buying that well one book that i came across on the subject of masters and slaves is entitled ask the man who owns him based on the old commercial ask the man who owns one which was selling cars if i remember correctly Ask the man who owns him. I got it from Amazon. It's probably still available on Amazon print on demand or or used. And there were several profiles of different master-slave couples and one triad of one master with, with two slaves. And they were all very different. The only real common denominator between all of the relationships, was a locked collar. That was really the only thing that was the same. I mean, one of the masters had a wife who did not share in the slave. Mm-hmm. Um, she was kinky herself, and they met him through, initially through a munch, I believe. The slave was gay. Mm-hmm. And had no interest in the wife, and the wife had no interest in having a slave. But she let her husband and and his slave have what they needed from each other, which I say good for her. This week's homework: find a copy of and read. Uh, ask the man who owns him for better understanding on that particular dynamic. We've gotten lost again. We tend, well, I mean, we, we tend I mean, to do we, that. We, well, we're, we're talking about, you know, um, honorifics that we're sir, boy, daddy, son, um, slave, master. What are other, I guess, what are other ones out? Well, there's, you know, dom, sub. Right. Which, of, which I mean, those uh, describe uh, roles. Yeah. Um, alpha. In the pup community, you have alpha and also handler. And that's interesting because there's a difference in that. There is. Yes. You have your alphas, you have your betas, you have your omegas, and... I'm so glad I'm a beta. Yeah, give me some song. Yeah, and kind of interesting dynamics Mm -hmm. in there, you know, depending on how how many are involved. So, in the pup community, the alpha is considered to be dominant over a beta, but it can also chain down or it doesn't necessarily have to change that i know somebody who is an alpha to another pup Mm -hmm. he has his sir his sir doesn't have really anything to do with the beta pup okay they have been able to compartmentalize that and alpha beta and you can go through all of the 
the Greek letters yeah, down to Omega. Yeah, it's making a hierarchy. It's yeah, like ma- making a, a pack hierarchy. You make a pecking order, which kind of tells you your place in that group, which, you know, spells things out and makes things easier in some respects. Right. And to me, handler just means someone who is playing with or has a relationship with a pup, mm-hmm. but is not pup themselves and this could change based on geography or time. Well, I mean, yeah. a picture to me is like the human component in the relationship. If a pup is expressing, you know, this canine persona and a handler is the human because you right. have dog relationships where you have a pack, which is a pack of dogs and their relationships amongst themselves. But then we also have domesticated dogs. So there's always, you know, that owner and pet kind of element too. Right. And that's whenever I've heard handler, I've always thought, because I, there's, I, I do know of a handler um, in the furry community, the handler is the person who wanders around with the person in the fursuit to help them make sure they don't, because limited field of vision, uh, it's clunky, and if you're in a place where there's children, you don't want to be stepping on a child because there's these knee-high things that are running at them and grabbing on right and, and your vision is yes. constrict you've yeah. got tunnel vision in those and, um, suits the the term handler is used there but it's for the person who basically is not in a suit who can kind of direct them and warn them when there's incoming like yep toddler running for you right now it's about to tackle your knee be prepared yeah. or you know and right. so yeah so it's kind of funny because i hear that term handler and i think in which in the case that's more of a well, more of a, not servant, but kind of you're helping the person. Because definitely in that relationship, um, well, it's the fursuits are at the top of the pecking order in the furry thing. It's like, yeah, you're actually in costume. There's a hierarchy there, actually, right. too. And there is a difference between a handler and pup relationship mm-hmm. and a handler at a mosh. Okay. What do the handlers do at a mosh, I guess, sir? The handlers at the mosh are more like the handlers at a furcon, really. They are there as the responsible adults. Okay. Perhaps a poor choice of words, but I can't think of anything better off the top of my head. They are there to make sure that the puppies stay hydrated, that any sure. any wrestling doesn't turn into actual fights, that when the light up bouncy ball goes outside of the designated pup space they're the ones who retrieve it and throw it back into the mosh pit i'm picturing the owners at a dog park you know the humans are all standing around the edges chatting amongst themselves keeping an eye on their dogs as their dogs are all running around you know sniffing each other and just playing right yeah it is the handler's job to make sure that the puppies are able to fully pup out Mm -hmm. and so they don't have to kind of break character to right. retrieve the ball or remember to... Right. They don't have to break headspace that they've got that safety line there in the handler okay. who is able to notice when... Plus, when you're a pup, you're down on your hands and knees. Mm-hmm. And the handler, when I'm the handler, I've got big, thick boots on. So I've got my eye level at about six feet high as opposed to two, two and a half feet. So I'm able to keep a much better eye on the situation and more situational awareness. Whereas when I'm popped out, I'm just reacting to what's mm-hmm. right there in front of me. So what it would be, um, I guess, what would be other titles or honorifics that you can think of in the community? Uh, I mean, in the kink community, there, of course, there's also mistress and there's the female version of every single yeah, master that mistress yeah. that we've touched on. There's one mistress that I know who I always address as mistress, not because we have any sort of personal relationship, personal relationship, actual kink relationship, right? Okay. But I do it for two reasons. One, she is a pillar of the community. Mm-hmm. She is a respected teacher. And second, she just has this force of personality that I can't imagine referring to her as anything else. She she may only be five feet tall, if that, but 
she fills a room mm-hmm. with her presence and she demands respect. One withering glare from her. And yeah, she is a very intense personality. So we'll refer to her as mistress all the time. Mm-hmm. Those are... Well, like in, even with yeah. your own name, Sir Arcane. Right. Is that part of the name or is that the honorific to the name? or Because you're kind of already putting it out there saying... This right. is who I go by. I used to have a different name on my recon mm-hmm. and FetLife profiles. The reason why I put the Sir on the Arcane there is to show that I am more top okay. now. I mean, my profile used to be, like, on recon, I used to show, like, 80% passive mm-hmm. on there. Then I put the Sir Arcane on. I got dressed up in my full leathers and a pipe and flagging red left mm-hmm. and said 60%. I, I might have it at 50-50 in the profile, but much more dominant than I have been. And I wanted to advertise that fact and to thereby attract people who are more submissive and that I can more fully explore my dominant role. So it sounds like that's, you know, a huge reason for the honorifics and titles there too. It's just to kind of express who you are, but also it expresses relationships that you have with others. I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, like when there is a daddy, son, sir, boy, you know, all this, there's different levels. I think of, yeah, interaction and expectations where, you know, I would not feel horribly uncomfortable talking to a boy in a bar Someone who considers themselves a slave, it'd be like, yeah, I'm, you know, I guess I need to be checking with somebody else. There's right, different levels right. of autonomy and all that. And so, you know, that kind of, but again, I'm sure each couple or each triad or each grouping has its own definition of what they mean by that. So when right. in doubt, always ask. Yeah. Communication, communication, communication. We seem to keep heading back onto that. The Sir Arcane in there is advertising, saying that these days on Recon, I am looking for more submissives, people who are more submissive rather than more dominant. It's like someone having a name like Hung Top 69. Right. It's like, oh, okay. We know what they are and what they are and and what they like to do. (laughs) Or when they're born. (laughs) And what you call yourself online, it's advertising. Mm -hmm. It really is. And... You know, it's nice being able to make that change. And uh, Facebook's real name policy. Oh, that that pissed me off. Well, I but I can understand it too because Facebook they're trying to actually have you be yourself, like how you'd be. And right, but, but also I, I guess my feeling is, you know, I can bitch about it when I'm paying a fee. Facebook is a free thing that's taken over social networking. It is social networking. And that's the maybe the unfortunate thing because it's someone else's toy and their rules. And that's, and you know, so, I mean, LiveJournal was the same way. You had all these people bitching about LiveJournal policies. And it's like, well, when you're paying for something, then you get to complain. When it's a free service you're making use of, guess what? It's someone else's toys. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, yeah, it can get kind of draconic because some people, you know, yeah, I think with drag queens, it was, you know. Right. Drag queens, it was a big thing. Those who are transgender, mm-hmm. who for whatever reason may not have been able to get their official, the name on their official documents changed, mm-hmm. but they've been living as their, in their preferred gender for mm-hmm. several years and people know them by that name but it's not the name that their parents gave them. Well, I also like, I like the idea of there being a social space where you have to be non-anonymous and yourself. Right. And, um, I mean, I ran into this problem just recently where someone has two profiles and I didn't realize they're two separate people. And that created a little bit of a, a social awkwardness yeah it's like where it's like oh dear it's like i didn't know this was you right because i was like thinking there were separate people and i had to make a decision between an event one was putting on and event another was putting on (laughs) it was the same event yes and but you know it's like i just thought this was someone i hadn't really met at the bars it's like oh no you are okay sorry you know this 
game yeah. night you were planning was actually the potluck that was on the other profile. And because I had not heard anything about the game night, I had blown off your game night to go to your potluck. <laughs> and then had to apologize for it. And I was like, no, that's me. I'm like, oh. oh. And that's part of the thing. It's like, you know, I mean, there's difficulties in it too. It's like, I mean, it's. I think that's why Facebook should be a different kind of thing. And unfortunately, we've made it everything. I mean, ideally, I think what Facebook, you know, the ideal social platform would be one where we do have different persona in the same profile. And what you share depends on, you know, I would be, you know, myself and then I'd be my professional self. I'd be my family self. I would be, you know, Lansing Mike and my kink self. Right. And those would all be in there. But which facet I show to which group so that you'd actually have multiple friends lists. And I don't know if Google Plus well, was kind of that way. But I mean, yeah, I would have... I, well, on, on Facebook, I kind of do have multiple friends list. I've got my main one, but I also have a subgroup that I call queer. Mm -hmm. And that's the one where I let my queer kink flag mm -hmm. fly is to that group of friends. Because otherwise, I get my mother, I get my aunt, mm -hmm. I, I get my brother and sister-in-law. And they don't need to know all of these things. So I have set that up. Mm. Problem is, I have to keep that up. When I add somebody as a new friend, mm. it doesn't ask, do you want to add them to this group? I had to go through recently because I've been friending a lot more pubs mm. through this and just being more active in the community. And I found that they were missing out on a lot of the messages I wanted them to get because I hadn't included them in that sub-friends list. Mm -hmm. Facebook, if when you added a friend, it asked, do you want to add this friend to these lists, possibly based on who they're already connected with, mm -hmm. that would be nice. Also, I want to say about Facebook real friend or real name policy, I had a friend that I knew as a particular name, it, mm -hmm. his pup name. And I'd known him by that pup name for nearly 20 years. He was the first one. He was the one who introduced me to the concept of pup. Back before it exploded big. Now, this was late 90s. I learned about this. And he got caught by the real name policy. And I nearly blocked him because I didn't recognize his real name, and nobody did. And he was seriously pissed off about that. And who knows, maybe we'll be able to interview him and see if we can get his perspective on what Pup is and what, has be what Pup has become. We haven't even touched on, on crafting, so we'll go through that really quick because I do want to have at least a small crafting segment in every show because I know what we are yeah I mean this is what makes us unique because otherwise we're just another kinky podcast and there are plenty of those call for help out to the universe we are a member of Lansing Pups is looking for somewhere that he can buy either full or half cow hides he's doing leather work he wants the whole cow to be able to make big pieces so if you know anywhere, especially in Michigan or online, that won't charge an arm, a leg, and a left nut, please let us know, perryprone at gmail.com. We would appreciate it and would happily send business their way. And hey, we'll even give them a mention on the podcast so more people can find out about it. I did swing by Home Depot and I was able to get four two-inch rings for about four bucks. And I found these in the kinky section of Home Depot next to the ropes and the chains. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, Home Depot's a great kink store if you've oh, yeah. got the right imagination. I know someone who works at a Lowe's, and it's funny. He he knows when someone is there looking for a rope or something for, you know, Bondage. activities. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and he, he takes great delight in saying, hey, what can I help you with? And, oh, you're looking for this. Uh, what project are you looking for? And it's that hesitation. Of they don't, they're trying to make up a legitimate need for whatever amount of rope they want and why it has to feel a certain way. And it's like, just be honest. <laughs> it's like, you know, or you know, I guess, or learn what rope you want ahead of time. But, you know, it's like, 
you know, maybe the Home Depot person is the best one to ask because they might not know that, you know, nylon ropes slide a bit too much or this cuts a bit too much. It's like, well, or they just might. And I know other people who are just very much like, I'm looking for this. Oh, what for? And they will tell in graphic detail. Well, not graphic, but detail. Yeah. And the people are like, oh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, got these. And I've got this black to gray kind of going through the blues, blue grays, rather than a brown gray. So that's what I'm going to make my bulldog harness out of once I get the, the get up and going energy. And there will not be a podcast next week because that would be way too close to Christmas. So we're giving ourselves a week off from that. We will be back the week after, though, because that will be right after the next first Friday. And so we will have plenty of stuff to talk about. Well, we've run out of time again. Send your questions, comments, show ideas, dirty pictures, project photos, or PayPal tips to harryprone at gmail.com or tweet at us. We are at harryprone.com. Our theme music is Hotspot by Aux, used under the Creative Commons Attribution License. We are your hosts, Sir Arcane and Lansing Mike, wishing you peace, love, and perversion. Good night. Good night. <laughs>